welcome to my mommy's podcast. This episode is sponsored by Four Sigmatic, a company whose delicious drink mixes I use daily pretty much in some form. I've been fascinated lately by studying the benefits of medicinal mushrooms like chaga, for instance, which has more antioxidants gram for gram than anything else on the planet. So one serving, for instance, has the same amount of antioxidants as 30 pounds of carrots. Crazy. Cordyceps is another one, which is great for the immune system. There's reishi, which helps promote restful sleep and lion's mane, which is thought to promote focus and brain health. Four Sigmatic takes these superfood mushrooms and blends them with coffee for a brain-boosting, jitter-free morning drink. They also have a line of delicious elixirs that are caffeine-free, and they're great for any time of day. So I almost always end my day with a warm cup of their reishi elixir, which makes a noticeable difference in my sleep quality. And I often begin my mornings with a cup of their coffee with lion's mane. My kids also love their superfood hot cocoa, and I love that it contains reishi, which helps promote calm and sleep. You can check out those products and all of their products by going to foursigmatic.com forward slash wellnessmama, and you can save 15% with the code wellnessmama. So again, that's F-O-U-R-S-I-G-M-A-T-I-C.com forward slash wellness mama and make sure to use the code wellness mama to save 15%. This podcast is brought to you by Juve Red Light Therapy. I've written about red light therapy before and how it supports the body and even helps skin look more supple and youthful. Juve is part of my daily routine and I love that during this relaxing 20 minute ritual, I'm getting a mood boost while supporting collagen and elastin production, improving fat metabolism, assisting with the body's detoxification reactions and boosting cellular energy. Here's how it does all of that. Just like plants convert light energy into chemical energy via photosynthesis, our bodies have the ability to metabolize red and near-infrared light into a form of cellular energy, adenosine triphosphate, also called ATP, that's essential for restoring, repairing, energizing, and maintaining our bodies. I have and use a combination juve light, which has two wavelengths for double the benefits. 660 nanometers for red light and 850 nanometers for near infrared light. Both were chosen because the majority of the scientific literature centers on their benefits and you can get them separately or together. The 660 nanometer range is better for collagen production and other skin benefits, while the 850 is better for deep tissue issues like muscle recovery, joint discomfort, that kind of stuff. They now have a Juve Go, which is just as powerful as the larger Juve devices, but it fits in the palm of your hand. This smaller, less expensive model can even travel with you for a quick collagen boost for your face or inflammation support in a sore joint. To learn more and get your own Juve Light, go to juve.com forward slash wellnessmama and they'll also send along a special gift. That's j-o-o-v-v dot com forward slash wellnessmama. Hello and welcome to the Wellness Mama podcast. I'm Katie from wellnessmama.com and I'm so excited to be here today with New York Times bestselling author of Push and she's written so many other programs as well, Shalene Johnson, who is a lifestyle and business expert, a, an amazing speaker and a podcast host. 
And one of the things I admire the most, uh, she and her husband, Brett, have been married for over 20 years, and together they founded the Smart Life Movement. She has also, with the help of top dietitians, doctors, researchers, and experts, recently founded something called the 131 Method, which I think we're going to talk about today. And she hosts two top-ranked podcasts, The Chalene Show and Build Your Tribe. And Huffington Post has recognized her as one of the top 50 female entrepreneurs to watch. Today, we're going to delve into several aspects of her own health journey in her life, and I'm hoping that she will share some of her top advice for living a happier and more balanced life. Shalene, welcome, and thanks for being here. Well, Katie, thank you so much. It's an, it's an honor. This will be a great conversation. I cannot wait to jump in. So I know from talking to your team that you recently suffered a really pretty severe hamstring injury that yeah. is almost always treated with surgery, but that you managed to bounce back naturally. And everybody listening typically has a, a natural focus and is really interested in alternative or natural therapies. So if you don't mind, could you take us through that story and figure, like, let us know what you did that worked? Oh my gosh, you just became my BFF. I want to talk about this endlessly. And I'm just like looking for eyes that look interested because I, I just think it's freaking fascinating. And so thank you for asking that question. Um, yeah. So I it's kind of embarrassing because I wasn't like sprinting or doing something, you know, really cool. I was roller skating out on a street and I hit um, some gravel and I had one leg out in front of me, imagine, with my toes lifted, right? So that leg was fully extended, knees almost locked, that leg's out in front and I hit a rock and I like slammed down into a forward split, which I'm not prepared to do. And it tore three of the hamstring muscles off the bone. And it was, it was like I'd been shot by a machine gun. Like I just went down and I knew, oh, like I felt like my leg was detached. It's the strangest feeling and incredibly painful. But I literally felt like, you know, like when you've tore a muscle or pulled a muscle, you can feel it. Like how am I paralyzed in one leg? Like what is this? Anyways, I um, had an MRI and uh, suffered hamstring avulsion where the muscle had torn away from the bone, all three hamstring attachments from the pelvic bone. And really because of the size of the tear, and it, it wasn't like a tear, it was a full detachment. Um, they just said, you know, your only option is we, we make a small incision under the crease of your butt. Uh, we go into the glutes, we pull the detached hamstring back up onto the bone, we suture it onto the bone. And it's going to take about, you know, six months to a year to heal. And, and that's, that's it. Like, that's the only alternative. But I decided like, okay, I get it. But maybe I should see a few other doctors. I had an event where I needed to be in front of 20,000 fitness folks doing PIO, which is a, a workout I created. And it's a flexibility workout. I knew I had to be in front of people like literally five weeks later. So that was pretty sketchy. And so I wanted to go see another doctor who is an orthopedic surgeon who is just like one of those freakish genius, like doesn't care what modern medicine is saying. Like he wants to get to the science. He's, he's just a genius, no other way I can describe him. And you would think an orthopedic surgeon would say, okay, we need to operate. But he was like, you know, I've been doing these experimental things. Um, if you're down with it, I would recommend you follow this protocol. And the protocol is something I think would really love to do instead of surgery but none of it's covered, zero. And it was incredibly expensive, but I'm like, dude, I'm game. It's, it's my health. I would much rather do this than go under the knife. And the protocol, the, if I can generalize or summarize, it was to produce as much stem cell regeneration as possible 
with the kind of final or the the last two options would be to do a um, a stem cell injection, which I didn't end up doing, and then the final plan would be to to operate if it didn't reattach. So I did hyperbaric oxygen chamber treatments to give you the specifics. Hyperbaric oxygen chamber treatment in a hard unit. There's soft units and hard units. So it's a hard unit usually at most hospitals. I did that five to six days a week. I did um, cupping and dry needling three times a week. I did uh, physical therapy three times a week. I did infrared sauna five days a week. And um, then I took a boatload of supplements that were really geared towards muscle, g- g- uh, muscle generation, stem cell regeneration. And I also did um, a testosterone and a human growth uh, shot. Um, so it's a lot. It's, it's, and it was pretty crazy and experimental, but like within two weeks, people were tripping. I was already doing squat jumps. It didn't even make sense to me. I'm like, I don't understand. Like the muscle's not attached, right? And they said, yeah, but the, the stem cells are, they're forming what appears to or the body believes is that muscle tissue and you're retraining those cells as opposed to immobilizing, which is what you would be doing if you're recuperating from a, a surgery. And before long, it was, it was like crazy. It was the funnest, coolest thing. Wow, that is truly incredible. And from what I've read, you actually used a similar approach for something with a brain injury. Is that right? Yeah, that would, which is probably why I was pretty open to the idea. It didn't seem radical to me. I had uh, a brain scan in 2015 that what I thought was like just normal brain fog, you know, the stuff you're like, well, I'm just getting older. I've got kids and my brain is gone. Um, but I had pretty, I guess you would consider advanced uh, brain degeneration. Some, I had some traumas from previous concussions. You could see those, you could see that trauma in my head. You could see the areas where I was not getting any blood flow. I did a SPECT scan at the Amen Clinic. He's the doctor who's like most famous for making the radical changes to the helmets in the NFL. And um, when I saw that scan, I was devastated. The questions they asked me, I was almost offended. Like I almost wanted to do that. Like, do you know who I am? You know, they're like, are you... Um, an intravenous drug user currently or in the past? I'm like, no. And they're like, have you just recently finished a pretty severe bout of chemotherapy? I'm like, no. And they're, well, you know, the, the toxicity in your brain and the, you know, just the, the appearance of my brain, the lack of blood flow was indicative of someone whose brain was like 20 years older. And so the implications when I was meeting with their team was kind of like, you know, you must have a very, very unhealthy lifestyle. This is the, you know, if if you don't have these other things going on, there's nothing else that would cause this other than your lifestyle. And I guess a part of me realized in that moment, this is probably true. Like I'm a health professional who has not been very healthy in in a true sense, you know? And, And so I followed the protocol that they prescribed and completely radically changed my lifestyle and my approach to health, which is part of the catalyst for creating the 131 method. And, um, and then I went back and scanned again. I did a follow-up scan at exactly the two-year mark. And Katie, I really, I've said this before, and it's just being honest, I don't know if I would have been as motivated or as strong of a believer if I hadn't seen the scan two years later to see like how remarkably different my brain was like, you know, cause you're, it's your brain. Like you don't feel that different. I don't look that different. I, and it's so gradual. And for so many of us, when we're making these health choices, right, you're, you, 
you have to make certain sacrifices and sometimes you have to give up things and do things that are hard that you don't feel like doing. And you wonder sometimes like, is this worth it? Because it's, it's hard to measure health in a really specific measurable way day to day. But eventually it, you know, that, that scan, um, it's not completely healed, but like my brain night and day, they're just not even the same as Dr. Raymond says, you're aged in reverse. And that was enough for me to go like, oh, this stuff is like legit. Like the body wants to heal itself, which made it, you know, me very excited. And I think my attitude about healing my hamstring really helped the process. I think that's so true. And what you just said, I think is such a key that is often ignored, which is the body wants to heal itself. It's not that all of these treatments are in and of themselves silver bullets. It's just, I feel like they either support the body in that natural process or remove obstacles. But I think Mm -hmm. like that's so important to remember that the body wants to move toward good health and toward healing. And that's the default. And we, we interfere with it so much and don't get me wrong. I'm not at all trying to suggest that we, you know, shouldn't take advantage of medical advances that save lives every single day. But I think that's our first option. It's like, okay, what pill can I take and what operation can I have as opposed to, you know, what does the body want to do and how, why are we interfering with that? Like the body wants to heal. Exactly. So you mentioned the 131 method a couple of times. Can you explain more what that is and how it works? Sure. Um, So it was part of my journey, if you will, this major health scare. I don't want to say health scare because it wasn't like it was life or death, but I was looking at what the rest of my life was going to look like by looking at my brain, knowing that I, I had the genetic markers for Alzheimer's, then coupled with the mistakes I was making in what I thought was a healthy lifestyle. You know, and at the time that I had that brain scan and I had a number one fitness infomercial, I was in the Guinness Book of World Records for having done the most exercise workouts. I, you know, I, I, people give me their trust and they, they look to me for diet and lifestyle things that will make them healthier. And what I was doing was really based on what everyone else was doing, what everyone else was saying. And I accepted things as fact without ever going, I wonder if that's substantiated by a study or are we just saying this like and what's the science behind it so it was never that I intended to mislead anyone it was never that I knowingly was living an unhealthy lifestyle I just in that rat race that we can get so easily caught up in in that we need to exercise harder and longer and with greater intensity and not recognizing like our bodies weren't meant to exercise for four hours a day and survive on five hours of sleep and an insane amount of stress and just the amount of stress that like our phones and notifications and social media demands and all of these things like we don't realize like we were not built for that our bodies have not evolved to handle that kind of stress so you're in this constant state of of stress and oxidative stress and the toll that that takes on your body and then to couple that with eating foods that are just fake I would tell people, and I believed it. It wasn't like I was lying. I believed I, I would, people would say, How do you, what, what's your diet? And I would say, oh, it was just a very clean diet. I eat very clean. And I defined clean then as, as low calorie and as low fat as possible. No cheats, no treats, no fried food, but certainly you know, sugar-free jello, which is all fake, uh, is fine. And Diet Coke is all fine. Like that's clean in my mind. And As I continued to exercise more, I found that my metabolism was less and less cooperative. Like I was almost like riding a bike and someone every day is slowly tightening the back brake and you don't realize it. So then my workouts had to be longer just to be able to maintain 
the same weight that I was at. And, and, you know, being on camera, there's so much pressure and these weird conversations that are just horrible. And someday I'll write a book about them, but it's just so freaking unhealthy. Like, you know, gosh, if we, if we could just get you down a little bit more in your body fat, oh, Shalina, be so inspirational. And you're like, shit, I'm not even eating anything right now. I'm exercising four hours a day. How am I going to do that? And I would just keep trying like, okay, okay, okay. It must be some, it's my genetics. So I'll just, I'll, I'll cut back more. And the more I did that, it was like this vicious cycle where I was developing a slower metabolism. And it was just my body trying to accommodate whatever it was I was doing. You know, our bodies want to be in homeostasis. And through that process of eating all those fake foods and the stress that I was under, I started having, you know, the brain issues and the brain and the gut connection. As I started to heal my brain, I realized if I'm going to heal my brain, I have to start with my gut. And that's when I discovered, holy cow, I didn't know what leaky gut was and I've been suffering from it for years, had no clue. And um, I was vitamin deficient, almost every essential vitamin and minerals. And, and I just had to start over and go like, okay, let's, let's, I have, I guess I know nothing really about health. Let's start over and become a student. And I, I basically just went crazy deep passionate into the science and the study and meeting with experts and not with people who are trying to sell books or like, I don't know, sell you something. But I, I just really wanted to know kind of at first, just for me. And then as with most things, I'm like, oh, I, I have to write this wrong. I mean, a lot of people need to know about this and it, it doesn't have to be so hard. And there is a way to live a healthier, happier life and have freedom from food. And actually, you know, we need to redefine health outside of these ridiculously Photoshopped images that we see on Instagram that make us feel horrible. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. I think that's so key because we, on social media, especially we only see everyone's best side, but when you see that all day long, you assume that's every, what everyone actually is like. And as women, especially, I feel like you put so much pressure on yourself to live up to all of those standards. And I hear so much echoes of my own story and your story as well of um, just pushing myself so hard in college and, you know, very little sleep and just eating what was available, terrible food and a ton of stress. And mm -hmm. it turns out that's actually the perfect way to create an autoimmune disease. And that yes, was my is. story and how I got into health. And I feel like you kind of had that same thing, even though you were in some ways, what people would think of as the picture of health, because you were in the fitness mm -hmm. world already you were mm -hmm. doing so much. So I think that takes a tremendous amount of courage to admit that even when you looked like what many people would think would be Instagram perfect, you still didn't have it all figured out. And you took no. that step to really look. It absolutely. It was probably the least healthy I've ever been. And, um, but yet still being praised for it, right? Like by any means possible, that's kind of how the fitness industry, I don't know if you've ever talked to people who even do fitness competitions, but I can't think of anything less healthy. And there are exceptions. But for the overwhelming majority of people who are in that state, that state of mind, I mean, it's, it's legalized eating disorders for the most part. I mean, it's just, it's just so unhealthy. It has nothing to do with health. It, body fat is one moniker, one tiny measure. But I think what, what worries me the most about what we see on, in social media is that we assume that person is healthy mentally and physically. And they might not be. The only thing you know is they look lean in that photo, right? Or they look muscular, whatever it is. But we really don't know much about what's going on with their health. And so that's what really became the catalyst for me creating. So it, it took me, you know, more than two years to 
figure out the system for myself and what is the path that you would want to follow and how do people solve their own health problems and in the process balance their hormones and heal their gut and and how how do I do that in such a way that it's it doesn't feel like you're being punished you know like I'm I have a lot of friends who've done plenty of elimination diets and you know all the popular ones which I won't name but you know you know the ones like those are phenomenal they're so great and they're so helpful and so useful but they're so unrealistic you know like most of them because you're telling people to eliminate everything instead of giving them the understanding of why and how to evaluate what happens if I don't eliminate this and and they're so restrictive and and then what and th- and then do you live the rest of your life that way like what's the plan and so i wanted to develop a program that teaches people how to get healthy from the inside out balance their hormones heal their gut health and in the process find freedom from these ridiculous diets and food rules and understand it's like the science of one and that's really what the 131 method is it's three individual dietary phases where you we make suggestions but we deliver the information and the minimum amount of science that you need to be able to go, okay, based on this, I understand how I'm going to make this work for me. So there aren't hard and fast rules. There aren't, you must do this on this day and everyone's following this specific number of whatever it is. It's really like you're going through that process of healing yourself from the inside out, but the discovery is so personal and the results have been astonishing, not just physically, but like for me, the part that gets me really excited are, are the moms who are like, oh, this is, this is going to save the legacy for my daughter is not going to have to deal with what I watched. And, and I, I just, this is going to change the health of my family. I love that. And I absolutely share your passion for that. That was part of my own story as well was having gone through autoimmune disease and seeing just how difficult it is. I didn't want that legacy for my kids. And I think another aspect of life that you, at least from Instagram, seem to have figured out really well, if you don't mind getting a little personal and sharing, um, is the relationship side. And I think honestly, that is one of the most important pillars of a healthy life in any aspect. And I know that you and your husband have been married for over 20 years, and at least from outside appearances, seem to be still like very close and have an incredible (laughs) relationship. So if you don't mind sharing a little bit of personal side of what are some of the ways that you guys have found to keep that relationship strong in the midst of businesses and kids and everything else? Yeah, uh, thank you for asking. But yeah, no, it is. It's, it's prioritizing it. Bottom line, you know, it's, it's prioritizing it. It's deciding what you want the outcome to be. And I think, I think too many people just decide, and a lot of times because of what they were role modeled, that this is an awful marriage. And as soon as you decide it's an awful marriage, it is. And as soon as you decide parenting is horrible, it is. And as soon as you decide you're going to fail your diet, you will. Like your attitude, it starts there first, right? And so Brett and I both have had the mindset, like we are in this for it to be better every day. And that means uh, doing marriage counseling on a regular basis. That means learning to communicate. That means reading books and listening to podcasts. Like we spend a lot of time and have and the more time we spend on it, the better our relationship gets. I mean, our relationship today looks nothing like, I always say, this is our marriage 2.0. Um, what it was like when we first got married, it, it wasn't like that. You know, and people are like, oh, you guys are so lucky. I'm like, this ain't luck. How dare you? This ain't luck. This is hard freaking work and it pays off. The harder it is, the greater the payoff. And we work really hard at it and we've been through some horrible, hard 
times in our lives, but it always makes us better. And we believe, as I know you do, that our number one responsibility is to role model a healthy, loving relationship to our children so that that's what they're looking for. I mean, that is our responsibility. So we, we take our marriage um, perhaps even more importantly in the scheme of things than our parenting because we think that's like step one of parenting is to role model that. And frankly, I know that there are going to be people who would be like, well, what are you trying to say? I'm divorced. And I, listen, I've got best friends who it just, they weren't good for each other. I understand that. But if you can just early on recognize it's going to be struggle and to do your best to prioritize the efforts you make on having a stronger relationship with your spouse. It's just, you, you, you communicate better and, you know, there's just a, a greater likelihood that that marriage is going to stay together and be healthy and happy and fulfilling. Yeah, absolutely. That's been a core value for us as well as realizing, well, obviously we adore our children, we love them, and they're the most important project we're ever going to have. There's still that our family centers on the marriage and we have to keep that strong in order to be able to raise healthy, happy kids or to be able to do anything else in life, at least for us, that's um, has to be a, a center focus. And you have two children, I believe as well, right? And they're older than mine. I don't have any teenagers yet, but I think yours are older. Um, yes. Do you have any parenting pearls of wisdom that you can share having made it through at least some <laughs> of the teenage years? I would say you want to let them fail, you know, and I, I know you believe in that mentality as well. Like you've got to let them, you've got to let them take on risks. You've got to let them know what the consequences will be and talk them through it. But you also have to let them fail. And you have to also, once they fail, you can't fix it for them. You have to talk through possibilities and solutions, but they have, the more a child, even a young child can realize that they can do it, then they don't need those, the fake recognition and the trophy after every you know, soccer tournament, they, they begin to like have evidence and confidence that it's so much more powerful than, a, um, you know, a gold star that everybody gets. Like they, they really tend to believe in themselves. They think of themselves as leaders. They think of themselves as problem solvers. They have confidence in their own opinion and abilities because you've allowed them to fail and fix it. And that's something um, you know, Brett and I just really strongly believe in. We also put our kids in therapy at a very young age so that they would do that every once in a while just so that they, it wasn't a shock if ever they went through something, which they will and have, um, traumatic, that they, they're comfortable with the idea that like we go to the dentist because we care about your teeth and we go to the therapist because we care about your mental health and we go, you know, it's like, it's crazy to me that it's just like the most important thing is your, your mental wellness, but we just don't prioritize it the way that we should. And we, so we did that from a young age with our children. And we also um, just, just treated them with great respect, you know, never any name calling, never um, we both, there's just so many things I think that have helped our children to turn out well, but most of all, it is confidence and kindness and self-sufficiency that they've learned through their own, um, their own experiences. Yeah, absolutely. I love that. Now you're my BFF because you said that about letting kids fail. I think that's so important. And of course, we all wish that we could protect our kids from any pain or failure, but truly like in the long term, at least if a, as adults, if we think back, at least for me, I can say very honestly that some of my biggest failures became later on the building blocks to tremendous success. But had I not had those lessons of the failures, I would not have the skills 
for those later, those later opportunities. And so I think um, that's such an important key point that you just said. I just wanted to reiterate that. I think it's so hard to watch at times. It's hard. It's hard to let our kids fail and not rescue them. But also it pays off so much when we see how capable they are and the lessons they learn. So I applaud you for having the courage to say that because it certainly is not easy to let your children fail. I think that too often parents are worried about how what their child is doing is going to reflect on them. And the sooner you can let go of that. And in when, and I, when I say that, I also mean like you can't also make them into what it is you want them to be. You know, my daughter, um, my husband's family is incredibly athletic. They all like play professional sports and they're all like superstars and insane. And um, my family's not like that, but they're super competitive and they just, you know, they all played division one football and most of them went on to play professional sports. And so I think our kids had this kind of built in, even if we didn't say it, it was kind of this, the idea is that you're going to play sports and you better be a phenom. And um, we tried as hard as we could. I mean, you can only do your best as a parent. So, so much of this, I think, is DNA too. But we tried so hard not to ever make them feel that. But my daughter, she's a great, a gifted athlete. Anything she did, she was really good at it. And then she quit. And eventually she found the, her thing, which was track. And she ran that through high school and became a, a, an 800 runner, was ranked in the state, was just phenomenal. But that started to become her identity, you know, and she was, I sensed that it was getting unhealthy. Like she was so becoming so regimented, like I, I need to eat by this time. If I don't eat by this time, I won't have enough time for it to digest. And I've got to get in like just almost I could hear the sense of panic, you know, as she was getting older in high school. And she eventually got a, a scholarship offer um, from a Division One school, which is insane. Like that, like a girl to get a offer to run D one track is insane. But she wasn't happy about it. I could tell, and she wanted a better an offer from a better school. And I'm like, why? Why is that important to you? Because I could tell it really stressed her out. And she said, because it's just I don't I don't think I just don't think it's important enough. I just don't think people seem that impressed when I tell them. And I said. I think that's the wrong reason to put, who cares what anybody else thinks? And then her senior year, she started having like anxiety attacks at track and panic attacks. And I drove her home from practice one day and she was kind of hyperventilating and I was explaining to her what she was experiencing and trying to get to what triggered those feelings. And she just is like, I just, I hate it so much. I hate track so much. I don't want to do this. I hate it. And I said, well, why are you doing it? And she said, I just, I don't know what else I am. I mean, who else am I? It's what everybody knows me for. Everybody asks me about track. It's just, it's what I'm known for. I said, but who cares? If you don't love it, why are you doing it? So I said, um, you're going to go talk to a therapist. And so you don't feel any type of influence from your family. I want you to just, just figure this out and just talk to a third person. You know, because maybe, maybe this is just a bad day or a bad week, or maybe there's something else going on. I didn't know. Um, but she came home from her first therapy session like a different child. Like her, she looked so happy and relieved. And she said, oh, I'm quitting track and I'm never, ever going to run again. I hate it. And I could just tell that she was so happy. I just gave her a big hug and I'm like, I'm proud of you. I'm so proud of you. I'm so proud of the fact that you're going to cost us all this money now because you're turning down a scholarship. No, just kidding. But I really was so proud of her that she had the courage to, 
at that, such a young age to recognize that she was chasing something to impress someone other than herself. Like she didn't need to prove it to herself. She was trying to prove it to other people. And, and she decided to go to art school instead. And she's so happy. You've got to let your kids be who they were meant to be. Wow. That is an incredible story. And I'm so glad she found what she loves. And I can only imagine the pressure of being an athlete at that level, but I'm so, that's amazing that she stood up so young and, and recognized that. Cause I feel like many of us, even as adults have gone through periods of our life where we did things because we had to, whether financially or because of um, expectations from others or to live up to the expectations of our parents. It, we, even as an adult, I know how hard it is to shake the um, the feeling of that, of just wanting mm-hmm. to live up to their expectations. So good for her for recognizing that. This episode is sponsored by Four Sigmatic, a company whose delicious drink mixes I use daily pretty much in some form. I've been fascinated lately by studying the benefits of medicinal mushrooms like chaga, for instance, which has more antioxidants gram for gram than anything else on the planet. So one serving, for instance, has the same amount of antioxidants as 30 pounds of carrots. Crazy. Cordyceps is another one, which is great for the immune system. There's reishi, which helps promote restful sleep, and lion's mane, which is thought to promote focus and brain health. Four Sigmatic takes these superfood mushrooms and blends them with coffee for a brain-boosting, jitter-free morning drink. They also have a line of delicious elixirs that are caffeine-free, and they're great for any time of day. So I almost always end my day with a warm cup of their reishi elixir, which makes a noticeable difference in my sleep quality. And I often begin my mornings with a cup of their coffee with lion's mane. My kids also love their superfood hot cocoa, and I love that it contains reishi, which helps promote calm and sleep. You can check out those products and all of their products by going to foursigmatic.com forward slash wellness mama, and you can save 15% with the code Wellness Mama. So again, that's F O U R S I G M A T I C dot com forward slash Wellness Mama. And make sure to use the code Wellness Mama to save 15%. This podcast is brought to you by Juve Red Light Therapy. I've written about red light therapy before and how it supports the body and even helps skin look more supple and youthful. Juve is part of my daily routine, and I love that during this relaxing 20-minute ritual, I'm getting a mood boost while supporting collagen and elastin production, improving fat metabolism, assisting with the body's detoxification reactions, and boosting cellular energy. Here's how it does all of that. Just like plants convert light energy into chemical energy via photosynthesis, our bodies have the ability to metabolize red and near-infrared light into a form of cellular energy, adenosine triphosphate, also called ATP, that's essential for restoring, repairing, energizing, and maintaining our bodies. I have and use a combination juve light, which has two wavelengths for double the benefits. 660 nanometers for red light and 850 nanometers for near infrared light. Both were chosen because the majority of the scientific literature centers on their benefits, and you can get them separately or together. The 660 nanometer range is better for collagen production and other skin benefits, while the 850 is better for deep tissue issues like muscle recovery, joint discomfort, that kind of stuff. They now have a Juve Go, which is just as powerful as the larger Juve devices, but it fits in the palm of your hand. This smaller, less expensive model can even travel with you for a quick collagen boost for your face or inflammation support in a sore joint. 
To learn more and get your own Juve light, go to juve.com forward slash wellness mama, and they'll also send along a special gift. That's J O O V V dot com forward slash wellness mama. And also, I think, like as you said, Katie, with as adults, even sometimes we'll hang on to a goal or a project far past its expiration date because we're like, oh, but I can't give it up now because I've invested X number of years or X amount of time or there's these people, you know, we, we lump on top of ourselves all these things where like, well, I don't deserve to give this up even though I hate it <laughs> because fill in the blank. But the truth is you, you can. Yeah, absolutely. And somewhat in the same vein, I would love to get your take on this because I feel like in the past several generations, there have been so many advances that have been favorable to women and us being in business much more and just through all aspects of culture. But the one downside I seem to notice a lot, especially in my readers and listeners, is just as we've gotten all of these other things that we can add to our plate, which are wonderful, um, nothing ever got taken off of our plate. And I see so many women who are juggling managing the household, managing the kids and all of their activities and also business or anything they have to do just to keep up with the financial aspects of day-to-day life. And mm-hmm. I hear from so many women who are completely overwhelmed. And it's something I finally have cracked the code on in my own life and something I'm starting to share more about in hopes of allowing other women to move past that stress and that emotional, um, just the emotional stress of having all of that on your mind, but I know that you have run multiple businesses while being a parent and a spouse. So I'd love any tips you could share on um, just whether it be systems in life or productivity, things that can Mm -hmm. help take away that stress. Yeah. Thank you for asking. I think I couldn't agree with you more that that's very true. It's we've added more and more things to our plate without taking things off. Um, For me personally, it, it boils down to knowing what is my overriding priority And then also, what is my key priority or what I like to think of as kind of like a temporary priority in this season, right? So that can vary based on any life change that you've had. Uh, Maybe you've recently gone through a divorce or you've had to file for bankruptcy. If you've recently filed for bankruptcy, then your key priority in this season for your life is rebuilding your financial health. Um, even though your family might be your overriding priority. So I think it's important to know, okay, what is, what's most important? And then what area or key area right now do I need to work on to support that overriding priority and, um, and give that my focus? I work in seasons. Brett and I both work in seasons. We have our guiding principles in writing. We call it a priority clarity statement. And it's literally in writing because your ego can convince you like a little devil on one shoulder and an angel on the other can convince you like, oh, well, I know this is going to be a great sacrifice, but we're never going to get this opportunity again. Or this isn't, this is a once in a lifetime. Or, you know what, if we just go hardcore for six months, then we'll make X amount of dollars and then we'll be able to relax. You know, so because I and have a tendency to be a workaholic. I, I need those principles. That is what allows me to make difficult decisions far easier. I work in seasons so that I know like what is my focus right now with the overriding theory that it has to be related to family. Um, and then I look at whatever my key priority is for that season. And I try to create goals that honor those things, not 
in any way that could in any way take away or deter from them. It does mean that we've turned down countless um, opportunities. It does mean that our growth has been smaller, but I couldn't, I mean, just stand me next to any other parent. And I'm so proud to say like, I don't, there's going to be people out there who've got bigger bank accounts and nicer cars and greater notoriety, but you don't have better kids. I promise you don't have better kids. And that makes me really proud. Like that was my goal. You know, they're out, out of the house now. So I can say that I was nervous when they were still in the house. Cause I'm like, they're going to screw it up. And as soon as I say that one of them's going to end up in trouble, you know, whatever it is. But I really believe that those those are the right sacrifices for us. And I know not everyone, I certainly don't mean to suggest that, you know, there's a right way or the wrong way, but that we, we knew what was right for us and we had to live by it. And that was hard because your ego and your, you know, your desire to want to keep up with everybody else can trick you into doing things sometimes where you sacrifice those areas which should, that you said are your key priority or your overriding priority. Yeah, absolutely. I think that was something I noticed so much in my own life because as women, we're, society tells us we should just be able to do it all and manage it all and still like look perfect and have a meal on the table every night. And the truth is nobody can actually do that every single day. You do have to have priorities. And for me, it took literally, I don't talk about this much yet and I want to write about it more, but almost getting to the point of a nervous breakdown or panic attack because I was trying to do everything all the time perfectly and realized I can't, this is not at all sustainable. And I took a step back and realized, when it comes to business and managing that, like my mission and that is so important to me and I run everything with systems and they work and I'm not mm-hmm. stressed about that. The business runs itself. Mm-hmm. And again, I feel like I'm juggling plates when it comes to my personal life. And then I realized, well, in business, I have systems and goals and objectives and things written down that I'm focused on. And in my personal life, I was trying to manage it all in my head and just keep mm-hmm. track of everything. Mm-hmm. And when I started thinking of my personal life like a business and just made systems, goals, priorities, and measurables, mm-hmm. it totally revolutionized my life. Because I think that, like you said, that focus on priority and having a clear destination, it allows you to say no to the things that don't line up with that. Yeah. Yeah. We, we did that too. And sometimes it's, um, it's very private because uh, I don't know that people really understand the motivation behind some of our personal policies, like simple things like I, I can't do it all. And a lot of that has to do with time. Like that's what makes us feel so stressed is there's not enough time to do all these things. Of course you could you know, enjoy spending time with friends and you can enjoy going to a baby shower and you can enjoy doing a lot of these things but they take time away from your own priorities. And so we, early on, Brett and I established personal and family policies that, you know, we didn't always make public, but we knew that they were guiding our decisions and it made things like really clear for us. Like, for example, I don't go to baby showers or weddings or, you know, these four-hour events um, that I would love to, but I I don't, I want to use those four hours to like feel like my family's taken care of. And of course, I mean, like there's exceptions, right? Like if it's a best friend, but otherwise I'm going to send a lovely gift and we don't go to parties. And here's one that a lot of people may not understand, but I'll just tell you, I I do everything I can not to make new friends (laughs) because I'm one of those people that I collect people. And if I start talking too long to the 
kid who's loading up my groceries at the grocery store, I'm going to figure out like what he's struggling with and I'm going to take on his problems. And the next thing you know, I'm using my energy, my resources, my money, my emotion to help him where that should be given to my family. You know, I, I, I've got a huge circle of friends. It doesn't need to get bigger. It needs to get deeper. You know, I don't need to step up and network with people who can lift my career or, you know, introduce me to certain someone special. I need to spend time with the people in my life who are already there for a reason. God put them in my life for a reason. It's just, I just don't feel right about, especially knowing my own personality, that I'm, I'm going to be, you know, sucked in to those kinds of individuals. And I, there's so much I can do to deepen my relationship with my existing friends and my existing family. Like, I don't get to spend enough time with my family. So I need to not put myself in situations where I'm going to spread myself even further. And that's just a personal decision for me. Yeah, I love that. That's definitely counterintuitive, I think, for a lot of people, but it's making those hard choices that really make, I feel like, the biggest impact on your life. And like like you said, they're going to be different for everybody. That may not be everybody's solution, but it's important to step back and actually evaluate things objectively like that. And I cannot believe we've already almost flown through an hour and gotten close to the end of our time. <laughs> but I would love to ask a couple more questions that I always ask at the end. One of which, are there any books um, that have been especially life-changing for you or that you've read recently that really have made a difference for you? Um, well, I'll be honest and tell you that I'm an audible listener. So I, I really love, that's how I start my morning each day. I, I need that time where I'm not on social, my phone's on airplane mode, and I select whatever it is I'm going to listen to the night before. So I usually pick something on audible. I, I find myself listening to some of the same books over and over and over again. Anything by John Maxwell, anything and everything by John Maxwell, I listen um, on repeat. Um, also, Brian Tracy, my, the most, the greatest impact on my life was made by a book that's a very fast read called Eat That Frog. And it just really kind of helped me to understand that at a place in my life where I really didn't understand how to prioritize things. I didn't understand how to get the right things done in the right order. I knew how to be busy. That's for sure. I knew how to be productive, but I didn't know the type of how to have the type of productivity that moved me forward and made me feel like, okay, I did what I was supposed to do today. That book had a profound effect on me. And I would have to say that when it came to parenting, uh, Rhett and I read a book called Strong Fathers, Strong Daughters. That really helped our parenting, and so did a book by, I think his name is Sal Salvador, and the book was How to Behave So Your Children Will Too. Um, another book that I think that's really helped our, our marriage a lot is, um, shoot, I, I'm going to forget the name of it, Emotion, it's something about emotional intelligence. I will, I'll text it to you when we're done, in case you want to put it in the show notes, but understanding the difference between emotion, emotional intimacy and physical intimacy and, and the difference and, and how, what a tremendous difference it can make in your connection to your partner and, and anyone really, if you understand that, um, that emotional connection um, is pretty profound. Oh, I love all of those. And some of those are new to me, so I can't wait to read them. Uh, if there was a piece of advice that you could spread from wide and give to everyone, um, what would it be and why? It would be to show yourself grace, to be kinder and to, to recognize that it's just a, the, the smallest bit of forward progress is huge. You know, you don't have to, in fact, if you sprint, you'll probably run out of breath and run out of steam and be left with your, you know, bent over with your hands on your thighs, breathing hard. 
just just make slow, steady progress. That would be number one. Number two, I have to give you a bunch of them. Unfollow everyone on Instagram and Facebook who when you look at their stuff, you just don't feel as good about your life. Just unfollow them and stop telling yourself that they're inspirational or, you know, for whatever reason you're looking at it. If it, if it just in the back of your mind, you admit that it gives you this little twinge of like, I'm not enough unfollow them. You know, you've got to protect your mindset and what you're feeding your brain has so much to do with that. Don't open up social media first thing in the morning. Don't open up the explore page. Go into your DMs and actually talk to people. You know, listen, but don't spend so much time looking and observing. I think social media is, it's a wonderful thing. It's an amazing thing. Like, you know, podcast is also considered social media, but I think there's a healthy way to use it and a very destructive, devastating way to use social media. So protect what it is you're feeding your brain by listening to podcasts like yours, Katie, that just, they uplift you and they give you great ideas and they inspire you to be a better person, but just progress like 1% per week, you know, just, if you're just like 1% better every week, think about it. Like in, in, two years time, you're like 100% better than you once were. That's incredible. And it, it's not going to wipe you out to do it. Slow and steady progress. Yeah, no, I love all of that. Um, I think the social media thing is especially important too, because it's largely replaced for a lot of us actual community. And if the only interaction that feels like community is on social media, and it's making you feel worse about yourself, it's got a, a negative net effect for you. And so I think like, for me, at least prioritizing in life, in-person relationships with those few people has made a tremendous difference versus following everybody on social media and trying to live up to those standards. So I love that you brought that up. Yeah. Awesome. And Shalene, if people want to stay in touch with you and keep learning from you, I know that you are a prolific creator of amazing content. Where would you recommend that they jump in and stay in touch with you? <laughs> well, I would love it if they subscribe to the Shalene show because I know uh, we podcast listeners have a lot in common. And one of the main things I think podcast listeners, especially to people who listen to a show like yours is we like growth. We get it. Like we want to grow. We want to be better. Like there's people aren't listening to your show unless they want to be better. And so I love connecting with people who are of that mindset. I don't understand these people who don't have room for growth or don't see it. But that's that would be my number one ask, I think, is that people stop by the Shaleen show and look up a couple of episodes and And then if you want to hit me up on Instagram, just send me a direct message and let me know maybe what episode you enjoyed. That'd be great. I'm Shalene Johnson on Instagram as well. I'll make sure those are linked in the show notes at wellnessmama.fm. And I'll even link to a couple of my favorite podcasts that you've done so people can have a starting point. Um, But Shalene, I, I know you're so busy and you are truly an inspiration. I really appreciate you taking time to be here today and to share your your wisdom in the health world and also your personal wisdom, which I think is equally important. So thank you so much. It has been my pleasure. I really respect what you do and your mindset and the way you're raising your kids. It's really inspirational. So thanks for sharing it with the world. Oh, thank you. And thanks to all of you for listening and for sharing with both of us your most valuable asset in your time. We don't take that lightly. And I hope you will join me on the next episode of the Wellness Mama podcast. If you're enjoying these interviews, would you please take two minutes to leave a rating or review on iTunes for me? Doing this helps more people to find the podcast, which means even more moms and families can benefit from the information. I really appreciate your time and thanks as always for listening.